Welcome to another episode of Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. I'm JC, your usual host. I'm back again. Hey, we're in the 20-something range of number of episodes that we've done with Appalachian Shine. And I want to thank uh, those of you who have tuned into this and followed us on either Podbean or Spotify or iTunes. And thanks for sharing our program with uh, your friends and family or sharing it on social media. We certainly appreciate uh, those of you who have done that for us. You know, it is obviously a free podcast. It's something that, you know, we, we pay for, but, you know, we're relatively new at this and uh, it certainly has been a lot of fun. And I've noticed that we've started, started to see the needle move on the number of listeners that we have on a regular basis. So thanks again very much uh, for tuning in. We certainly appreciate your time, and we hope you find the topics that we talk about on here uh, interesting. You know, certainly uh, talking a little bit about Appalachian history, economic development, certainly leads right into my nerd tendencies. It gives me an opportunity and excuse to actually jump online and try to learn something new every day about this amazing place that we call home here in Appalachia. Um, We have so much here to be... Uh, proud about such a rich cultural history and today is actually october 17th and we are going to be right we're going right into halloween you know here in a couple of weeks a lot of people love the halloween month i actually i love the, the entire month of october uh this is the perfect time in appalachia if you ask me not only do you have the fun holiday of Halloween coming up, and, and then, of course, the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, and I look some look forward to those so much, uh, getting together with family and friends, and hopefully during this, this crazy year, everybody will still have an opportunity to get together with family and friends. But the, thing that, uh, the two things that kind of stick out for the month of October uh, are the leaves changing, and then it's the spooky month, right? So uh, I love watching all the uh, the old classic horror films on, on TV, and I love going out and just going for drives through various places here in the area as the leaves change. Now, one thing a lot of people don't know about me, I'm actually red-green colorblind. So I don't know how that works out for other people, what what you know, normal people, I'll throw that up in quotes, <laughs> what, what everyone else sees as the leaves change or during the summer, but being red, green, colorblind, there's about two, two and a half weeks during the fall as leaves change before the leaves start to fall off the trees, that things kind of start to look fiery for me for a change instead of so, so bland. And, uh, I actually, this past week, uh, Wednesday, I went for a drive. I was planning a day just to get on the road and uh, drive across the mountains and just see the leaves changing and stop and take some photos, just kind of soak it in. So Wednesday, I drove to Tazewell, uh, Virginia, and right where Crab Orchard Museum is, or Fort Whitten, as many people may also know it. And I drove across the, what the the, uh, the byway they call Back of the Dragon and came out in Marion, Virginia, uh, right off uh, I-81. Uh, right by Hungry Mother's Park, actually. So I got an opportunity to go across those three mountains and just enjoy the leaves. And one of the things that struck me as I was driving, I was taking pictures, I saw this old abandoned house. Oh, it looked creepy. (laughs) I wasn't about to go too close to it, but I stood back and I took a photo. And I think I posted these on uh, our foundation's Facebook page. Uh, facebook.com forward slash support Appalachia. Go there and take a look at some of those photos that I took that day. Beautiful leaves, beautiful uh, views, 
from Thompson Valley all the way over to Marion. And uh, actually, I went on from that point down into Saltville uh, just to take a look at the old town. I haven't been there in a while. And at some point, I do want to maybe try to get together with the folks there uh, at the museum in Saltville to do a podcast and talk about some of their exhibits and uh, you know the Museum of Central Appal- or Middle Appalachia. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, unfortunately, they were closed as I was driving through. But I did see that 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 house. It just looked like something out of a out of a horror film, you know, standing alone. This old abandoned house, two story, giant, back in the field, standing alone, run down. Wow. Yeah, I started getting. I don't know what's worse, having having a bad case of the willies or the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I sort of maybe felt a little bit of both. But I thought, you know what? Why not have a a, a podcast this weekend? Let's talk about some haunted locations. Now. There's plenty of spooky stories passed down uh, through the years, thanks to the rich tradition of storytelling from the Irish and Scottish, uh, the immigrants. So I, I thought, you know, let's uh, let's take a look at some local haunted locations. Now, in the past, we've had a couple of episodes where we talked about General Graham's mansion over in uh, near Withville, uh, St. Albans in Radford, and of course the infamous Mothman mystery of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Pardon me while I have a sip of soda. Yeah, that's a great way to start your weekend. (laughs) But I wanted to look up some different haunted locations, something unique this time. And there's one location, a central location, that probably everybody listening has been to. And we're talking about the Smoky Mountains. All right, so it being close to Halloween... Um, why not you know talk about one of the uh, you know some of the the old folklore traditions that were passed down uh, from Smoky Mountain ghost stories? Okay, and one of the things I was as I was reading, I come across some different little things that kind of caught my eye. You know, for example, um, Appalachian folks believe that the oldest tree in the mountain, uh, the oldest tree in a mountain uh, hollow, um, was haunted. So. I'm not sure why people would think that the oldest tree in a mountain hollow was haunted or, but, or the crack and pop of a fire was the devil snapping his fingers and, you know, showing a, I guess it's a sign of a bad omen. Well, I'm not sure where those, those uh, folklore, where, where those beliefs came from, but there were several, I've found locations in uh, the Smokies that's considered haunted locations. And one of them is the uh, Greenbrier Restaurant in Gatlinburg. Now, I've actually never been to this uh, to this restaurant. However, I've been to Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and driven through the Smokies, like many of you, countless times since when I was a kid up until, you know, I think the most recent time I went was maybe two or three years ago uh, for a couple of nights. Um, but anyway, as I was reading, I found out that the Greenbrier Restaurant was one of the favorite haunted places in Gatlinburg. And they said it's it hosts one of the most famous ghosts in the Smoky Mountains. So actually, there's a little bit of history on this. I'm going to read this to you from a from a website I'm on here, Cabins USA. Uh, this is one of the favorite haunted uh, places uh, locations in Gatlinburg. Uh, after opening as a lodge in 1939, a young woman named Lydia, who lived at the lodge, was jilted by her fiance. Uh, at the altar of a Gatlinburg church. 
Devastated, Lydia rushed back to the Greenbrier Lodge, threw a rope over a rafter, and hung herself still in her wedding dress. While Lydia's tragic death is enough to make Greenbrier one of the most haunted places in the Smokies, her false-hearted fiancé's body was found days later, mangled by what appeared to be a mountain lion. Since the animal had long since disappeared from the area, many guessed Lydia's spirit had returned for her revenge. So diners are, it says here that diners are said to see a sad figure on the staircase, which rests where Lydia hung herself, and a strange woman, or simply, uh, they'll see a strange woman simply feel a sad presence. I don't know if I'm going to go there. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm sure it's a great restaurant. Everybody I know that's been there said it's a great restaurant. Um, but I never knew that about that particular restaurant. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I used to watch a lot of ghost hunting shows. But then I started thinking, man, these people should be careful what they're what they're looking for. They just might find it, right? Yeah, I've never seen a ghost. Not, not in a hurry to see one either. A second location I found that was haunted was a place called the Devil's Courthouse. Now, this is uh, on uh, in nearby North Carolina, and it's located at Whiteside Mountain. So, it, it, uh, if you're staying in, a, uh, I guess, a cabin there in Gatlinburg or, or Camp Reynolds, I say it's about two hours from one of the oldest haunted places in the Smokies. So er earlier settlers in the Smokies, they named this uh, rock face, this craggy rock face, the Devil's Courthouse. That's what it is. So if you're hiking, you can get to a location called the Devil's Courthouse. And it was, you know, had this really sinister appearance that uh, a lot of people just led them to create a, you know, whip up a story that the devil himself held court in the cave underneath that, that craggy rock face because it was diabolical looking to many people, this cliff. So... Um, there's some speculation that the Pioneers legend was adopted from an early uh, Cherokee tale of Jetacula, which was a slant-eyed giant with like a voice of thunder and arrows made of lightning who made his home in the, save, in the same cave and uh, dancing around and carrying out his own judgments. So that was a Cherokee. So maybe they got that from the Cherokee legend. It's really hard to tell. Um, they, but there are so many... Like I said, there's not a shortage of Cherokee legends either that are, um, and we're, I'm going to get to one of those too in, in, a, in a moment. Um, but there's another location called Huggins Hell in the Smokies. So it's in East Tennessee as well. It, uh, and it got its name because of its landscape. So the area is located on a steep south, uh, the steep south slope, if I can get that out properly, of Mount Leconte. And it really isn't accessible by mainland trails. However, um, that doesn't stop people that are like backcountry enthusiasts from making the trip. I mean, uh, so people that are very experienced hikers, even though it's not accessible by these trails, they'll find their way up there anyway to Huggins Hell just to just to have the challenge. So by glance, I don't know about you, but have you ever looked at a trail map of the Smokies and noticed that like so many places? Like have uh, names that kind of remind you of like the hell and devil, the devil and hell, and it. I don't know. I don't know if these names came from early settlers who decided that only the devil himself would go to rough places like this. I have no idea. But anyway, that, I thought that was kind of interesting as well as a because I actually had a map here that I'd picked up at a at a site. Um, I guess one of those uh, those bins where you have free maps to pick up. 
uh, that I had of Smoky Mountains, and I started looking at it, and I was like, wow, this is, yeah, that is kind of weird, right? So whether or not, you know, the devil makes Huggins hell a stomping ground, who, who knows, um, but some of these inaccessible regions uh, uh, give visitors a, a really spooky feeling, an uneasy feeling. Now, is it haunted? There's there's some hikers who have, um, I guess they've, they've went like a four or five hour hike near Mount Lacante that uh, poses like it's really risky. So not only a you know if you fall from one of the steep cliffs and you're you know um, there's the trail books don't even list it even being there. So if you were injured, no one's going to find you for a long time, if at all. So if you're hiking up in those areas looking for, you know, Huggins Hell, you might want to think twice about it because uh, make sure you're very experienced, you have people with you and communication at least. Um, if I'm not even sure if a cell would work back in there. But dozens of hikers have gone into that backcountry uh, or off the trail areas in the National Park to never be seen again. Now that's, that's actually very scary. Um, Smoky Mountains are just incredibly beautiful. Uh, and you know it's still one of the wild places in the in the eastern U.S. So people can disappear without a trace. So when hikers stay on uh, on a trail, uh, it's never really an issue. But for adventurers who seek the most rugged parts of these mountains, there's always a risk. And there are tales of um, seeing uh, hikers that disappeared years ago in ghostly form. I thought that was kind of creepy. I um, now whether that's true. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of one of these people. I want proof, but uh, I'll, I'll pass on that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into those remote areas. Um, another another location I, I read about was a place called Elkmont Resort. And um, it used to be a very big, fancy resort, just full of business at the early part of the 1900s. Um, and a, a bunch of rich hunters actually founded the, what's called uh, the Appalachian Club. But now the Elkmont Resort is completely abandoned. Uh, the uh, the cabins that were all around there they're standing empty to this day. Uh, until uh, up until the past decade, the ruins of the Wonderland Hotel stood as a testament to the to the resort community that once thrived there. But now all that's left are just empty homes and eerie ruins that uh, look like they're just kind of growing back into nature. Um, but it was actually, uh, Elkmont was once an active logging camp in the early 20th century, too, before the park was actually founded and stopped that. But dozens of workers were maimed and killed, and they said some, some horrific logging accidents and uh, train wrecks, actually, and, in the mountains. So these really horrible incidents um, involved like exploding boilers, uh, derailed trains with tons of falling logs. Uh, so, I mean, you can imagine how horrible the deaths would have been. Uh, to this day, um, visitors, uh, some visitors will report like really uneasy feelings as they walk past these homes uh, in Elkmont or the crazy feeling that they're being watched. Um, vacationers looking for haunted places in that area are, you know, that's kind of really a uniquely creepy place. So if you're looking for something like that, <laughs> stop by the Elkmont Resort and some of those cabins and, and homes that were out there. Now, I did mention earlier about uh, 
Cherokee Legends. And I wanted to get one of them uh, to one of those as well because it's a lot of the Native American legends I'm trying to learn about. I find it incredibly fascinating. And I've ordered a couple of books that haven't gotten here yet that I want to uh, to dive into. Um, but Spearfinger, has anyone, have, you know, I'm not sure how many people have heard of Spearfinger, but I had not until I started reading a couple of days ago on this. Uh, Spearfinger uh, was Cherokee, um, and he's, it's said to roam the Nolan Creek Trail and Whiteside Mountain. Spearfinger may be one of the, the creepiest Cherokee folklore traditions. And I'm going to read this um, from this website as well, so I don't mess this up. Um, I read through it a couple of times, but I don't want to forget anything. You might want to stay clear of these haunted places in the Smoky Mountains, as Spearfinger is one frightening spirit to encounter. Said to have a long blade of obsidian as her right forefinger, Spearfinger lurks in the shadows, her mouth stained with blood from the livers of small children she managed to lure away from their parents. She walks around, clenching her right hand tightly as to protect her one weak spot, her heart hidden in her right palm. The Cherokee were distrustful of anyone who wandered away from the village for too long, since Spearfinger possesses the ability to shapeshift. As a result, this fearful presence could take the form of a seemingly harmless squirrel or a faint shadow in the forest. Spearfinger appears throughout Cherokee stories and is said to make her home in the highest ridges of the Smokies. It's not surprising that the Cherokee told stories of shapeshifters who stalk the mountains. If you go on a hike in a quiet part of the park, it's easy to become spooked by a sudden sound of some unseen animal. Some hikers even report the feeling that they are being watched as they make their way through the forest. Perhaps it's just a squirrel moving through the leaves, or perhaps it's Spearfinger on her way to claim her next victim. Now, I thought that was quite telling. I'd never heard of that, that legend, that Cherokee legend of Spearfinger. Ugh, shapeshifters. Yeah, there's enough of that. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the most uh, famous places down in, in, in the park, which I love to drive through during this time of year because of fall. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll make it this year. But the most well-known location uh, everyone knows is uh, Cades Cove. That's a beautiful 11, 12-mile loop. Um, however, there are some people who say that the site is haunted. Uh, if you notice, there's several cemeteries. And Cades Cove has a really interesting hi history as well. I don't remember if we've done a podcast on the history of Cades Cove. I do know I wrote about it. If you go to our website, supportappalachia.org, and there's a link there, a section called Potpourri. Just any you know, any interesting history that I may uh, sometimes on occasion write about and update on our website. Uh, I tend to do that more on the Facebook page now, but um, if you go there and read that, you'll see there's a really interesting history of Cades Cove. And um, people have been through there, and I've never noticed anything like this. I've taken plenty of pictures over the years through there. Um, but while there's not many very specific ghost stories for Kate's Cove, uh, people say there's plenty of spooky activity. Several pictures that floated around on the internet show orbs in the graveyards, uh, cabins and other buildings. So I, I don't really know about orbs. I, I'm not uh, never knowledgeable on that. It could be a speck of dust. You be the judge. Um, however, there's one photo that seems to catch a woman's face coming out of a wall of one of the old churches. 
and I saw that just doing an image search. Um, I don't know. They say if you stick around at dusk when the crowds start to die down, no telling what will happen. You know, take photos at that at that time. However, I'm not going to take photos at that time because I don't want to see anything if it's there. Um, I may be the biggest chicken here in Appalachia when it comes to actually seeing a real ghost. I don't mind reading stories and watching movies, but, yeah, the real thing, I think I'll pass. But uh, have you guys ever experienced anything in any of these locations? And there probably are other locations in the Smokies. Uh, we, we are in the one of the oldest mountain chains in the world. So uh, there's plenty of history here. But anyway, I thought it'd be fun to share some of these interesting stories, um, these little ghost stories as we get into Halloween. Um, but, you know, it's like I said, it's October 17th. We probably have another couple of weeks of leaves changing before everything falls and kind of becomes drab. I, I hope you'll take some time to go out and drive through the mountains, take some pictures, enjoy the fresh air, get close to nature, get close to God. Um, and enjoy uh, yeah, this unique time and this unique place that we have. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. We certainly appreciate it. Come visit us on Facebook and online. Thanks again, and we'll see you down the road.